Hey, welcome back. I'm Ray Ray, the host of Shift in the Script, a podcast where we will delve into all things mental health, from individual personal journeys to professional insights, tips, and advice. We're going to cover it all. So join us as we speak with all different types of people and explore how we can help, understand, and navigate our mental health. So without further ado, let's dive right in. What's going on, everybody? Ray Ray here, back with you guys. Um, thanks for tuning in this week. Um, today we have a very special guest. His name is Matt Labrie. Um, I'm going to hand it over to him so we can he can introduce himself and tell him a little bit, tell everybody a little bit about what's going on in his world. Ray, first and foremost, brother, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to join you here. Uh, and furthermore, just want to express gratitude for what you're putting out into the world with your platform, the mission that's behind it, and all of that. So, you know, to be able to be rocking with you here, you know, before I say anything about myself, I need to shine a light on what you're doing for this world and uh, the way that you're showing up to help people. So that's first and foremost. But um, now that the gratitude's out of the way, my name is Matt, as you mentioned, uh, born and raised New Yorker, man, who inevitably caught the hustler spirit that fills my hometown streets, uh, you know, born and raised in Queens, New York. Very hard to not catch that hustler's uh, mentality because you see it so vividly right in front of your face all the time. Formerly worked with Damon John of Shark Tank for numerous years directly out of college. And uh, I think the the main reason we're here is to talk about mental health. So I will throw in here, I never introduced myself as this, but I'm going to throw this in here for the sake of conversation. I am recovering from panic disorder. So uh, we're, we're making things happen, man. A lot going on and excited to dive in. Yeah, absolutely. This is, I'm so excited to do this. So um, before when we were talking, uh, we were talking about the types of things that you had gone through um, in yeah. your life and you know what Caden and I, our goal is um, with this whole thing, eventually we want to grow it even bigger than just podcasts. Um, but you know, I think my first question to you, you were just saying that you suffered with panic disorders. Mm. Um, how do you, what type of stuff did it affect in your everyday life? Oh, dude, so much, man. I'll tell you straight up. I turned 30 in 2022. So I'm born in 92, turned 30 in 2022. 2022 was the darkest year of my life. Mm. I would have never imagined it to be the case. It impacted every area of my life. It impacted me professionally, obviously personally, relationships, um, health, like from a physical perspective. Mm -hmm. So many things, dude. I'll, I'll give you some examples. Like... I was scared to go on dates. Mm. Like I, I, I felt like I would have been trapped or I would have been embarrassed to sit across from a pretty lady and, and take her out on a date. Right. Um, I felt like I couldn't even go get haircuts for a good period of time. Mm. I would sit in the barber's chair and I would literally panic. And yeah. um, so wild to look back on this because change is possible. And I will put that out there in the forefront of this episode. Change is very much so possible. I'm living proof. Uh, and there's not a difference between you or I or anyone tuned into this. We all have the same capabilities. We might be different heights or different colors or whatever, but change is 100% possible. So like even going to get a haircut, dude, like think about it, being in the barber's chair and then wanting to leave halfway yeah. through a haircut. Like how would you look? You would you would leave there like a <laughs> lawnmower ran over your head, you know? Right. Uh, it just doesn't work like that. So yeah. Uh, um, so many different ways professionally, how much work I was able to take on, mm. how much work was too much work until I was like super stressed out. So dude, it impacted me across the board. I was scared to walk into the gym. 
I would walk into the gym and I would feel super anxious because my gym is huge. And I would say to myself, well, I can't go all the way to the back of the gym because I feel like it would be hard for me to escape if something happened. You know, Mm -hmm. like that was the mindset I experienced for uh, a chunk of time, dude. And like I said, change is possible and it's happening right before my eyes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think so with Caden and I, one of the things we wanted to really focus on on in our um, we call them avatars, as as you're aware. Sure. Um, the we wanted to really focus on young men and anywhere from the ages of I would say 25 to 45 ish around there. Yeah. Um, because I feel like in that age range, there's a lot. Like we focus a lot on kids and how their mental health are, and you know, older adults or uh, people, elderly, you know, folks, and how it affects the end of life. But they very rarely have. Um, I wouldn't say powerful people, but people, influential people talking mm. about our age range and, and what kind of things happen in our lives at this point. Right. And I think the biggest thing that we need are people like you and people that we're also going to be interviewing, um, talking about what their lives consist of. Um, and so one of the, another question that I had for you was, is there something that you noticed in the beginning when you started noticing there was something going on with you, did you notice something that really stood out to you that made it made you think, okay, this is, this is what's going on. Now I'm seeing that it's affecting my life. How do I get into this to fix it? Yeah. Um, good question. I'll say that what I had experienced lingered around for years. The thing is, while I thought I was tending to it, Mm-hmm. I, I listen, I'm a huge proponent of therapy, dude. Yes. Therapy radically shifted my life. The reason I ended up in therapy is not because of panic disorder. I ended up in therapy because of a breakup that I had with a girl. And I'm like, man, that shit hurt. Like mm-hmm. it hurt. Breakups hurt. You know, um, they're not fun to go through. And while my relationship was rocky at that time, that led me to turn inward. But like I said, it was I didn't go into therapy because of panic disorder. So you know, getting back to your question, while these things had lingered around in my life, they were never detrimental. I would get on a plane, I would travel all by myself. Dude, I, I've spoke all across the country at colleges and universities. Like fear was never really an issue for me until 2022. Yeah. 2022, I'll, I remember vividly, it was probably January 27th. It's either January 27th or February 12th. I forget the exact day. Mm-hmm. I was out to eat with my friends. I had a panic attack while at the table. And I went into complete hiding Mm. and it was like, that was the moment. That was the moment I knew something was wrong because I retreated and there were different things that impacted my ability at that time to work on my mental health, specifically panic disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a physical injury to my lower back. If you ever hurt your lower back, it's not something fun to experience. Mm-hmm. And it definitely inhibits you from doing things. So I kind of use that as a crutch to say, oh, I don't need to go out today. I don't need to do this. And next thing you know, I'm scared to walk around the corner from my house. Yeah. You know, so it was specifically the moment in... January or February of 2022, when I had that panic attack and I said, something needs to happen here. And it took me some time to take action on that. And maybe not, maybe I tried to, but I didn't have the right resources or I had the right resources and I didn't tap into them to the best of my abilities. Divine timing is a thing. 
You know, mm. like divine timing is 100% a thing. And ultimately it took me till about September of 2022, maybe October of 2022. I think it was actually September 30th of 2022. I found a resource that I still work with to this day and she has guided me to recovery. So once again, you know, these resources are out there for change uh, and change is most definitely possible. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought up um, therapy because a lot of, um, you know, young men that I talk to that just in general, you know, even my brother's, you know, two and a half, three years younger than I am. Sure. He talks about, um, he's, he's seen me go through therapy since I was, oh God, 13 or 14, just yeah. because of stuff that happened to me when I was younger. Um, and my mom's a social worker. So, you know, we grew up with, you know, people going to therapy and that it's important yeah. to, you know, talk about stuff where a lot of people aren't that lucky. Right. And mm. they don't know that um, there's actually good fit for you out there to talk to you. And therapy is such a huge thing. And there's so many different types of therapy. It doesn't have to be just talk therapy. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen art therapy. I've heard, seen music therapy. And it really does change a lot of people's lives. And I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because it's huge. It's a, it, like you said, it's a life-changing experience. It is 100% life-changing. And you know, let's throw in this caveat, right? Because uh, I'm getting the chills just thinking about this. My mm. friends and I, we, we oftentimes have these conversations. And I was the first person in my immediate family to go into therapy. Mm. Uh, my parents were divorced at a very young age. I think I was in like fourth or fifth grade. And by court order, I was subject to therapy. You know, the, my parents' lawyers thought it would have been best, blah, 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 blah. Dude, at the yep. time, I would literally go into my therapist. I was in fifth grade, bro. Like, I, I would literally go into my therapist's office and I would count the books on his shelf. I wouldn't wow. even pay attention to what he was saying. You know, like, yep. I didn't care. He would ask me what I would dream about. I would an answer any which way. And that was really it. But this yeah. time around, fast forward to 2020 or backtrack to 2020, very, very different. But I want to point something out because therapy could mean a lot of different things for a lot of different people. Like you just alluded to the fact that therapy could be art therapy. It could be yes. EMDR. It could be yes. uh, inner child. It could be this, that dude. But even beyond that, running can be someone's therapy. Mm. Um, walking. Funny enough, my buddy, he was like, listen, my dad's therapy was smoking a cigarette. And mm -hmm. is that something I suggest? Not necessarily, but if that's your way to connect to yourself right. and turn inward, everyone has their own modalities and we all have different ways to connect to ourselves. For me personally, I love talk therapy. Yes. I remember the first few sessions I had in June of 2020 of talking, it was 27 years of life lifted off my shoulders. Mm. I was can like, you, I felt so can you go light. go into that a little bit? Yeah, man. I mean, so many things had transpired in my life that I just never tended to. I was numb for 27 years of my life. I can't tell you how many times I cried. And of course, as a kid, I cried. Like what right. kid didn't cry, right? Right. But from like a conscious perspective and from what I remember, I can't tell you how many times I cried before I turned 27 years old. Mm. I cannot tell you. Before 2020, I cannot tell you how many times I cried. After, waterworks. Right. I own that emotional side of me. Mm -hmm. And that was the release that I needed. I needed to be able to connect to, I mean, crying is so good for our nervous system without getting all scientific. Like mm -hmm. it is so good for us, but you know, we're oftentimes taught the opposite. So for me, it was my parents getting divorced. It was watching my mother battle cancer. It was mm -hmm. getting kicked out of two high schools. It was getting arrested. It was failing out of college. It was blowing my life savings on my ego all the way back then. 
Um, what else am I missing? I mean, losing my dream of playing professional sports at 17 years old when I tore my labrum. Two years later, tore my other labrum. Like the list goes on. I just let all of these things pile up. And of course, we're not even talking about the quote unquote little things, the breakups, right. the rejection, the um, the betrayal of friends. The list goes on, man. So many things. Yeah. And it was just I was so numb and I would chug. And listen, that was the way, you know, oftentimes when we act uh, act in such a way, that's because we don't know any better. And that's yeah. our way of keeping ourselves safe. And I listen, I don't hold shame or blame to myself for acting in such a way because that's all I knew. But yes. I'm just glad I found this other side. Yes, absolutely. I'm glad you said that, too, because um, a couple days ago, I was just in therapy and she, uh, my therapist was always saying, you know, the stuff you went through is legitimate. Nobody can mm -hmm. tell you that you didn't go through that because that's your life experience. Right. So yeah, I used to, like you said, hold blame on myself all the time. Like my parents got divorced because of me or, you know, my, my dad got sick and passed away because of stuff that happened in his life, but maybe I could have changed it. Maybe, mm -hmm. you know, he wouldn't have started drinking if I acted a different way or things like that. And I would take sure. everything on myself. And even though my mom used to tell me, you know, it's not your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. As kids, we just take everything outside of us and just put it on us without even yeah. realizing that we're doing that. Right. And I want everybody that's listening to, to know that when we're growing up as kids, it really isn't our fault, even though it sounds weird, like adults are telling us that it is, that it's okay and that it's not our fault. We really should listen to that. And we really should let a lot of this stuff go, but practice different techniques. So my mm -hmm. next question for you is there, is there um, things that you've done or techniques or different types of um, ways that you've let go some of the trauma that you've gone through that maybe you could share that your therapist helped you go through? Yeah, I think one of the main things is honestly just been getting it off my chest. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it was boxed in for so long. It was wrapped up and pushed down for so long. I think just tapping into it and just opening the lid of that box allowed for a lot of it to be released. Um, am I quote unquote healed? I don't think anyone ever is quote unquote healed. Right. Uh, I think that's a really strong word that society throws around in today's day and age. I think we're all a work in progress and there's always layers to transcend. Mm -hmm. But, you know, first and foremost, it would be, you know, just getting it off my chest. I think secondly, one thing to add that I found very powerful recently, and this goes back to what you were just alluding to, was I have a very critical inner dialogue mm -hmm. and that comes from being a former athlete where that would serve an athlete, but it doesn't serve us in regards to recovering from mental health disorders or even just living everyday life. You know, if you're Kobe Bryant and, you know, you have a bad shooting performance on the court, it's okay. To, uh, I don't want to say it's okay, but it is almost of a winner's mentality or a winner's nature yeah. to be critical and then get back in the gym that night and put up more shots after the game. Like, right. okay, that could serve you. But like when you are struggling from a mental perspective or you're trying to release trauma, it's not necessarily, you know, the best modality of being hard on yourself. Like why the hell haven't you recovered yet? Why the hell haven't right. you healed yet? Like that yep. doesn't serve us. That, that actually is the opposite. So one thing that I did, and I actually just started doing this, being that my inner dialogue is very critical, I write letters to myself almost every night. 
Um, they're not the sexiest things in the world. Sometimes I bet they're all over the place, but it allows for me to talk to myself in a way that I don't necessarily talk to myself, you know, throughout the day. So that's something that definitely helped. I think number three would be having community. Mm. Um, Community is such an important thing and it's primal in so many ways. Getting back to that is important. And oftentimes people, you know, people are in the wrong communities, right? We have, uh, I hate to say this, but we have lifelong friendships that don't really serve us, but they just feel you know, we, we feel some type of way about them when we keep them around. I'm mm-hmm. surrounded by, honestly, the best of friends. Like these guys, they hold space. For, we, we all hold space for one another. We're there when we need one another. Uh, we could be critical with one another in a healthy way, not an unhealthy way. We motivate, we challenge, all of that. Super important. So community without a doubt. And if I were to sum it up there, I would be content with giving you those top three mm. as ways that I've been able to release. Um, you know, I've, I've done yoga and stuff like that too. Uh, from a physical perspective, I think somatics are great. Breath work is great. Mm. Um, so they would probably be dabbling on the outside of those top three. Yeah, that's awesome. I think a lot of people, I'm hoping a lot of people that come and listen to us are looking for those answers, you know, looking yeah. and for outside ways to, to, you know, maybe heal. Like I had mentioned, like the art therapy and music therapy, and it's not just talk therapy. However, both you and I love talk therapy. <laughs> love it, dude. Love it so yeah. much. Yeah. It helps so many. Um, is there, I wrote stuff down um, last time we, ch- we were talking and uh, you said that um, you had suffered with agoraphobia. Mm. Can you, yeah, can you man. dive into that a little bit if you feel comfortable? Absolutely. I feel comfortable. Um, funny enough, man, I have actually, and I haven't done this yet. I was right before we hopped on this call, I was uh, prepping an email to send to a very good friend of mine who's magnificent at YouTube. I have actually been documenting my recovery from panic disorder with agoraphobia. Hmm. So I have been documenting the process. I haven't done so entirely because I really just came up with the idea recently, but I think it's important to like, showcase i'll give you an example i didn't drink coffee for six years wow for for six years because of panic Mm. dude i drank six coffees this week so i went six years like i don't know if people like can fully comprehend what i just said like that is a massive transformation like oh yeah six six years of not drinking something because you feared how it would make you feel that's why i stopped drinking coffee There was a direct, and you want to know what's funny, February, 2022, when I said, or January, 2022, when I had that panic attack that set me down that dark place, it's because I had a coffee at dinner thinking that I was going to challenge myself and and step into that fear. I didn't do it properly, but, um, man, like just so many changes. So agoraphobia for people that don't know is for lack of a better term, because I'm not qualified to speak on it from a medical perspective. Mm It's essentially going into hiding, going into your safe place, going into your comfort zone and staying there. The only thing is your comfort zone shrinks down and sometimes it only becomes your bed. Maybe it only becomes one side of your bed. I did not experience it to that extent. I was able to go in my backyard. I was able to go drive places, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And then eventually, you know, I, I mean, I drive all over the place now. I have really no issues with that. I am getting very close to being deemed recovered, but I'm telling you, it was scary, man. Yeah. It was scary to think that I have been all over the world, Europe, the Caribbean, our country, everywhere in between, 
And then all of a sudden my world then became my neighborhood Mm. and only my neighborhood. That was very scary. And I'm going to be honest. I thought I was going to be stuck. I said to myself, what woman's going to want to date me? Mm. A guy that does a guy that's scared to drive on the highway. What company are, you know, what brand is going to hire my agency? If I'm scared to go into their office to do work, what person is going to want to hop on my podcast? If I, you know, want to have them in studio and I can't even get it to the studio. Like, dude, I thought my world was over as I knew it. Um, and I'm not even exaggerating. Like these were the things I was thinking. I directly can quote myself verbatim. I said to one of my best friends, I said, aunt, his name's Anthony. I'm like, aunt, I'm alive, but I don't feel like I'm living. Mm. And man, I look back at those words and I'm so grateful. I literally have the chills right now. I'm so grateful that that shifted because it was one of the scariest things, but, um, agoraphobia, man, it's, it, it's been a wild ride. Yeah. It's, that sounds so scary. I couldn't yeah. even imagine going through that. I mean, I, yeah. I too suffer with panic disorder and anxiety and all that stuff too. So I know how that stuff feels, but I couldn't even imagine, you know, going through that and feeling so nervous and just anxious and not knowing what's coming next to where you needed to seclude everything and everybody and keep them away and, you know, stay with yourself. I mean, yeah, that's dude. awesome that you're getting over that and pretty much done with it. Yeah, man. It's been step by step. Like it, I, I wish it was like a snap of the finger type of thing, you know, and I, I know many people wish that. Um, but I think the best thing that I did to start recovering from that specifically and panic disorder as a whole is shifting my mindset from going grandiose, mm-hmm. going large, swinging for the fence to hit the home run and not even trying to have the mindset of let's get on base, but let's step in the batter's box. Yes. Right. Just get in the batter's box. Okay. You can't get in the batter's box. Get on the on deck circle. Mm. Can't get on the on deck circle. Get in the dugout. Right. And I'm obviously using a baseball analogy. If I, I hope people understand, but like, I really had to dial it down to a step by step. Yeah. As opposed to, you know what? I'm going to swing for the fence today. I'm going to do this. No, 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 no one thing at a time, Mm -hmm. which is so uncomfortable for me to do as someone that performs highly from a career perspective and like wants the most out of life and all of these Mm -hmm. things. But I think that was a life lesson that needed to be learned, period. So I'm glad it took place like that. Yeah. Um, Can you talk a little bit about your career and like what you do and how how things like this were were affecting it? Absolutely. A hundred percent. So I'll actually bring you back. I had mentioned earlier that my my first job out of college was with Damon John of Shark Tank. Mm. Um, I had met him on my college campus. I turned that into an internship or that conversation into an internship, internship into a job. I've even been interviewed by him. And it was actually in my first week where I had a panic attack while working for him. Mm. Uh, Not because of him or anything of that sort, but because I was a little stressed out, you know, you start a job. Um, I, I think a lot of people experience this. It, it's, it's a little stressful to start a new job, you know, new environment, like new culture, new people, just a lot being thrown at you. And that was actually directly linked or I directly linked that to coffee because I had a shit ton of coffee the day that I had that panic attack that I would say was probably like one of the first onsets of this lingering panic disorder 
which I was never diagnosed with beforehand. But from a professional perspective, I think that uh, I think that mental health in general has definitely played a role in how big I go or how little I play. Um, Like, do I really give it my all or am I scared to for whatever reason? Like, of course, you know, there's other things that come into the picture here, like self-esteem and self-worth and what we think we deserve out of life. But also, you know, maybe on a subconscious level, I'm like, you know what, can I handle this? Right. And I think that's a really big topic, man. It's just like, I feel like I've played small in some areas uh, just because it's like, yo, can I, can I handle this? And again, now I'm in a place where I take things step by step, but when I wasn't necessarily sure what was going on, there were times I would dive into these massive projects and then all of a sudden I'm just like, yo, yo, I like chill out, like life, Mm -hmm. hold on. Like I am on edge all day. Like that is not a cool feeling. Um, you know, and listen, if you're someone that puts a lot of pressure and stress on yourself, I'm a business owner. So of course there's pressure and stress on myself. I got to make money. Um, I'll tell you this, man, uh, from an entrepreneurial perspective, mental health and entrepreneurship isn't talked enough about, um, you know, we, we see in Silicon Valley, the suicide rate is through the roof in Silicon Valley, specifically from male founders. Mm -hmm. Um, and man, I mean, that alone needs to be talked about more because this world has made it very sexy to own a business or this culture has made it very sexy to own a business. But truth be told, no one talks about what comes with owning that business and it it impacts a lot of people. Absolutely. Can you talk more into that too? Like you being a business owner and how um, mental health is affected and you were, you were talking previously about, you know, the panic disorder and things like that and how it affected you specifically to you owning a, you know, your company, how did that affect you in, in what you were doing? Yeah. I mean, luckily, um, it didn't necessarily impact tremendously. I do work from home. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. There's times I have to travel and whatnot, but for the most part, I work from home. So I was able to get things done, but I'll tell you this, it really made me realize that I don't like the pressure in this particular season of my life, let me frame it with that because we all have seasons. I might say in six years from now that I love it. But right now in this particular season, I can't say that I love the pressure or maybe the self-imposed pressure of feeling obligated to perform a specific duty for a client. And when I had a mental state that wasn't necessarily where it is today, so let's say one year ago, There were times I literally had to force myself to do something because I was legally obligated by contract. And when you force yourself to do something, that doesn't feel good. Right. You know, and I think that alone, you know, the, the, the feeling of like force contributed negatively to like some depressive states, some dark Mm -hmm. states. And it's like, yo, what, what am I doing to myself? You know? Um, so I think that definitely, you know, came into play, but ultimately, um, yeah, man, it was, it was, it's like the pressure, the, the pressure, it just doesn't jive well with me. Yeah. Yeah. Is there looking back from where you are right now in, in your career and in life and your success, is there something you could tell, um, younger people, you know, let's broaden this from just, um, young men to sure. pretty much anybody who's listening to this. Um, is there a first step or is there, uh, something you could think of that would help them get past the hurdles that they're in right now and trying to reach their main goals. Like you'd said, you had, you were 
a former athlete and now you're a mm-hmm. business owner and you've always done big things. So maybe somebody who's starting off and wanting to do what you're doing um, or going in a completely different direction, but is there a first step that you, you think that they could, that you could, they could take from a business perspective that and in mental health, if they were struggling at all. Okay. So I'm, I'm really torn between two things. I'm going to give you both. Okay. Uh, the, the first one I want to share is it's an equation and this go, listen, this is even beyond mental health. This is like life period, you know, mm. like this, this is all about life. Uh, there's a, an incredible individual. His name's John Gordon. He's written countless amounts of books and they're very catchy. They're good books to like, just move along with. And in that book, he shares an equation that had forever changed my life. I mean, it's, it's pretty much like tattooed on my mind. That equation is E plus P equals O. There's no numbers involved. I failed out of college and I got kicked out of two high schools. Like I'm not good at math. Ma- yeah. I, my math ain't mathin'. <laughs> um, my math ain't mathin', man. But E plus P equals O. And what that stands for is events plus perspective equals the outcome. Mm. Now, in this particular equation, there's only one thing that we can actually control. We don't get to control every single event that takes place in our life. We just don't. Imagine we did. Life would be rather mundane. Mm. It might be fun for like X amount of time because we have full control over everything, but then life would become rather boring because we're getting thrown no curveballs. We know what's coming. Right. We don't get to control all those events. What we do get to control is how we perceive those events. Mm. Now, I don't want to be ridiculed for saying this. If you're going through a breakup or you're going through a hard time right now, I'm not telling you or, you know, your business is burning or you just got fired, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I am not telling you that in this moment you need to be happy, go lucky. Like, yeah, I got divorced or yeah, I just got fired. <laughs> yeah. Like, listen, I'm not that guy. I understand yeah. it's going to take time for that perspective to shift. But what I want people to walk away with is to understand that when the perspective can shift, right? I mean, this is all about shifting the script, right? The, let's yes, shift the perspective too. When we can shift our perspective to say, you know what? Maybe it happens in six days, six weeks, six months, six years, 60 years. But when we can change that perspective on a particular event in our life, we then can determine what that outcome truly is. So for example, if you're in the heat of a breakup right now, I'm not telling you to be happy-go-lucky, but maybe start to think about why this came about. Maybe start to think about the lessons you've learned. Maybe start to think about your growth throughout this process. And at the end of the day, when all of that stuff solidifies and it's you know, taken care of, at the end of the day, you're going to view that, that event differently. So that's yep. number one. That was the first thing that was on my mind and on my heart. Number two, I'm, I'm going to more so give you, uh, I guess, a business side of things. And maybe this isn't even business. I mean, I wish I had started therapy right after college, yep. right after college. And I'm going to tell you why. In my first career, or my first job, which was with Damon John of Shark Tank, the reason I left that job, which I did prematurely. Now, I'm working directly with a guy that's on national television seven days right. a week. I'm in office with him, rubbing shoulders every single day. I know his family. I'm at his apartment. We're going out to dinners. We're going out to drinks. Like that was my relationship with him. And I left that job prematurely because I was scared of conflict and I was scared to use my voice. Can you go more into that? Yep. I found my voice 
over time, as many people do. And I was, and I still am working on stepping into conflict. I am a notorious people, people pleaser. I am also recovering from that. So when it comes down to conflict, if I can avoid it so that no feathers are ruffled, that's my best option. So I thought, right. So I thought, so in that particular instance, I didn't know any of the psychological things that I know now about Matt and at his core. Mm -hmm. Like I thought I was very aware back then. I was not, um, you know, I was very arrogant to think that now on the other hand, different story, the awareness is still being turned inward. So that's why I'm giving that advice, because if I started therapy at that point, I would have been able to meet myself on a deeper level and maybe start to see what I was avoiding, what my patterns were professionally, et cetera, et cetera. Right. You're able to know yourself on a deeper level. I don't even know if I would have started my business back then Mm. if I had if I had um, started therapy. Right. So there's so many things that would have shifted. And those would be my two things. Number one, I would have personally like if I was talking to me of years ago, I would have urged myself politely, of course, and on a more friendly way to start that journey inward. And then on the flip side, that equation E plus P equals O. Yeah. Yeah. And I think anybody can, like you said, you could use that equation in any, any aspect of your life. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, you were talking about prior, um, that you were an athlete too. Yeah. Um, do you notice, uh, what, at what age did you start, um, playing sports i was young man i don't even know an age to give you uh i i have so many vivid memories um of playing like instructional baseball or Mm. you know instructional basketball and i mean i'm six foot five i performed at a very high level i um had been gifted these natural abilities uh athletic abilities i threw you know i was a pitcher i threw a baseball at 16 17 years old nearly 85 miles an hour Um, I, I was, I was throwing the ball hard, um, you know, just being my size, you know, you get a lot of looks from colleges and universities. Mm -hmm. I had all of that, man. And I'm, you know, so grateful. I I ended up quitting on the game after I had surgery and, you know, a lot of people say don't live with regrets, but that is one of the things I regret. I'm the type of guy that could sit in front of a TV and watch any baseball game start to finish, no matter what it is, because I have such a love for that sport. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of things, if I did have a time machine, there were a lot of things that I would have done differently. You know, I would have, there were times I quit on my team and my teammates, mm. uh, because I was scared of failure. Uh, I was scared of being judged. I was scared of not performing. You know, yeah. I, I vividly remember there's this one time and, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to rant on this for a quick second. There was this sure. one time just to paint the picture. I was on the pitcher's mound and man, we were dueling with this other team. It was zero zero, like going into the last inning. And I essentially lied to my coach and told him that I didn't feel good. Or I told him like my shoulder was bothering me or some, you know, BS because I didn't want to be the one that lost the game. Mm, okay. You know, that, yeah. that was a real thing, man. Uh, I did that numerous times where I was like, you know what? Not feeling good. Or if I was already on the mound and I was underperforming, I would ask to be taken out, you know, just okay. because like, think about it, dude, imagine Michael Jordan or yeah. imagine whomever like having a bad game and like wanting to quit. Yep. I've done that. I've definitely done that. So, uh, the athletic career was definitely a journey. It was a hundred percent a journey. There are things that I would change and there are things that I regret. Um, but they are lessons to be learned and they have been learned. Yeah, Absolutely. Did you notice, um, cause you had said that you had performed at like 
a very high, high level. Um, yep. Is there, or was there with your team or coaches or anybody around you, whether it be family or not, was there things that you noticed um, that could have started problems with um, people's mental health, uh, like in as teammates, as families, things outside the sports mm. world that were being brought into the sport um, that was affecting teammates, you, you know, things like that? You know, I think, well, the first thing that comes up for me is oftentimes I felt like I was a part of teams that weren't teams. Mm. And I'm going to try and do my best to tie this into how this can impact mental health. But essentially what I'm getting at is I felt like I was a part of teams while we were a quote unquote team, we were really against each other. Mm. And I think what that would do is potentially re-enhance what we could have potentially lived in childhood. So for example, if we felt betrayal or if we felt denial or if we felt rejection or something of that sort, when you're a part of a team, then all of a sudden, you know, or, or a team that's against one another, I think that re-enhances it. Mm -hmm. Furthermore, I was also a part of teams where people's parents would poke fun at plays that weren't good you right. know uh i i vividly remember in high school i was so out of position but i i was the type of player that i mean i was a pitcher primarily and i played first base but like if you needed someone in the outfield i would be the first one to volunteer so i was dude i was literally in the infield all game and then i got moved to the outfield just for like a lineup adjustment and i'll never forget this um, I was just underprepared for the moment and I let a fly ball go over my head. My hat flew off. Like I was a disaster. I'll be the first one to admit it. Yeah. And one of my friends, his dad had poked fun at me. And even in that moment, I was like, well, now I can look back and say, how did that have impact me? I've thought about that particular scenario numerous times, but it's like, who wants to be made fun of? Right. Like, even if it isn't good fun or good humor, like, you don't know what the person is like, for example, if you were making fun of me, you don't know what I'm going through or internalizing about that particular experience. So there were things like that, dude, you know, and um, that's how I would probably sum up the answer. Uh, there were there were definitely and if you you know gave me more time to think about it, I'm sure I could come up with more just like looking back from past experiences. But there was definitely ways that that stuff impacts without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, I don't think enough people realize that so much stuff yeah. that you're going through in general is going to affect you on a team, whether you're, you're, you know, doing some high, big project for a company too, you know, yeah. things that are going on will come into that. And then how we separate that is a big thing. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Is there, um, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this one. Is there something that or a specific moment in sports where you realized other, like at before your surgery or before your, your, you know, your injury, um, that you ever thought of stopping it, just being like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Yeah, definitely. Like I had wanted to, this is, this is crazy. This is psychological. A lot of people wish their parents would go to their games, mm. right? Think about how many people wish their parents would go to their games. I was the opposite. Huh. I wanted my dad to stop coming to my games. I was embarrassed of the way he would yell and he was mm -hmm. that parent and like 
the way he would dress and this, that dude. I mean, I was so, so externally focused for years of my life and felt so judged for years of my life. When truth be told, everyone's really focused on themselves, right? Right. You know, right. it's it's like who's focused on the way Matt's dad is yelling or Matt, you know, like, yeah, sure. They might say something, but like they're not going home and like pondering on that thought the way that I would potentially think. Yeah. Um. What was your question? I'm sorry. I just totally. No, no you're good. If the if there was was there a specific time or an area oh, when I wanted to quit? Yeah. When you yeah. wanted to just end it. Yeah, man, that that was definitely one of them. You know, I was just like, I didn't want to play. I was like, either stop coming or like, I'm not going to play because I didn't want to be around that. I, yeah. I really didn't. Um, and obviously, I have a much different relationship with my dad now. And I'm also yeah. not playing sports anymore. But that was definitely a thought in that moment. And um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a different dynamic without a doubt. But I definitely debated on quitting because of that. Yeah. Speaking of, was there... So you know how people, especially people that are performing at a higher level, there's their identity kind of gets meshed with the sport mm -hmm. and how people look at you and things like that. Was there, after you finished playing sports, was there an identity, I wouldn't say crisis or anything like that, but was there, because I'm sure people recognized you from, from doing sports and things sure. like that. Did, did that affect how people, or you thought that people were identifying you and then did you see yourself being lost without the sports and without that type? Great of thing? question. Uh, I got very blessed. Honestly, I got very, very blessed when I had stopped playing because my identity didn't have time to dabble with that type of thought. My identity in those moments shifted instantly from sport player. I played mm -hmm. baseball and basketball. Our basketball program was nationally ranked. Yeah. I went from baseball and basketball to nightlife instantly, mm. uh, hospitality instantly, hospitality. And I'm not casting blame on hospitality as a whole, but I wanted to be social. I wanted to, I, I had access to these awesome parties at an, you know, we were underage, we were able to drink and I was able to get all my friends in and make money off of whoever was coming and saying our name. And that actually turned into a business of mine for seven years. Wow. So I paid my way through college because of that. So ultimately it served me in numerous capacities. It led me to meet the most amazing people that I'm still friends with to this day. But my identity didn't have any chance to even like think like that. It automatically yeah. went from sports into something else. And I rode with that something else for over seven years. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, I yeah. got lucky. Like I said, that, that was that was, uh, those were the cards I was dealt. And I know some people can, and don't get me wrong. Like there were definitely, there were definitely times where identity was an issue in my life. So for example, when I was going from owning a nightlife business or owning a hospitality business into working with a guy from shark tank and speaking around the country, people were very confused at what my identity was and their confusion being that my worth was put outside of myself, then led me to feel confused about what I was doing. Okay. Right. You see how that all connects. So there yeah. were times where identity was an issue, but not in that particular instance, it kind of jumped real quick. Yeah. Can you talk about that and, and how the issue started and, and how you dealt with that? Well, I don't think I dealt with it good. Um, yeah. I'll be the first to admit that I think I dealt with it in a numb way, 
You know, I, I probably brushed it under the rug and swept it under the rug more than I sat with it and really processed what I was feeling from those external validators. Cause that's what they were for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, I mean, it was, like I said, it was brushed under the rug and I'm going to be honest, I don't necessarily know how I would handle it today. I haven't really gave that much thought. This is the first time it's ever been provoked. So I appreciate your good questions, For sure. but, um, yeah, it's going to be something for me to ponder on without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad I could give you something Definitely. to think about. Absolutely. Um, so, at the end of a lot of the podcasts, we try to come up with different, like just rapid fire questions, and it Let's doesn't do have it. to be around mental health or anything like that. It could just be random questions. So, uh, the one thing I was curious about was if you didn't have sports, if you didn't have your business, uh, what do you think you would aim towards? Like, what would you, would you want your career to be? Damn, this is a rapid fire question. I need to think about that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going to be honest. The first thing that came to my mind was teach. But uh, when I say teach, I don't necessarily think it's in the classical sense of like in a classroom. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm cheating because in some ways I do teach now. But teach, I'm just going to leave it at teach. However okay. anyone wants to interpret that, they could interpret it that way. Um, <laughs> teach. Perfect, perfect. Is there... Um, let's see. Is there a place that you haven't been to? Cause you said you traveled a lot. Is there a place, yeah. country, anywhere that you haven't been to that you really want to go to that's on your bucket list? I'm torn between two answers. I'm going to say California. I've never been to California and the United Kingdom. I've never been to the United Kingdom. Nice. What place? Any specific place? Uh, I mean, I would love to see London. I, I yeah. love Paris. Uh, Paris. I mean, listen, any major city I'm from New York city. So like yeah. I, I, these are my vibes. Yeah. Um, can I do the beach too? Absolutely. A hundred percent. But, um, I would love to see LA, Santa Monica, San Diego. Mm. Um, I would just, I mean, I love wine, although I really parted ways with drinking. I would love to kind of go to like wine Valley, wine country. Um, but you know, between those areas, I, I, those are the first that came to my mind. So that's my reply. Nice. Nice. All right. So let's see. We talked about travel, talked about job. Is there um, a specific skill that you want to master that you haven't so far? Emotional intelligence. Mm. Can you Emotional go a little bit deeper into that one? Yeah, I think I, again, once again, got the chills. I think that I have been working on this. Yep. Have I mastered it? No, no. Um, but, you know, I think it comes down to a few things. Like, number one, understanding what my emotions are. Um, not what I'm feeling, but what the feeling actually means. Have you ever heard of the emotion wheel before? I have. Yep. Okay, cool. So exactly that, right? Like understanding what's on the surface, but what's underneath what's on the surface. Um, knowing how to process set emotions, how to release set emotions, how to, uh, unlock stored emotions, how to, um, you know, when you're dealing, uh, from a relationship perspective, how to deal with your emotions while also dealing with someone else's like, yep. dude, I'm, I'm not necessarily a master at that. Have I gotten much better? Absolutely. But there's still work to be done. Yeah. I think just in general, there's always stuff to be work. Yeah. Know, be working on. So For sure. if, yeah. Yeah. Is there, um, advice that you would give, uh, your former self, um, when you started to go through the difficulties that you had back in 2020 and things like that, mm. um, is there a first step that you might have done differently other than like, I remember you saying that you um, w wish you started therapy beforehand. 
Is yeah. there like a almost like a light bulb thing that you could think of that um, may have changed the outcome other than coffee? <laughs> I mean, I think ultimately it would, it would be simple. It would be be easy on yourself. Yeah. You know, I was so and like I said, that doesn't serve anyone, you know, maybe on the court, maybe on the field, um, maybe on the course, wherever, you know, from a sport perspective. But ultimately, dude, I think it would be be easy on yourself because I was so hard on myself. I caused myself so much unnecessary stress, uh, totally avoidable. But I just didn't have the capacity or the bandwidth or the mindset to even function like that at that point. And it didn't serve me, you know, maybe to an extent it pushed me hard and it pushed me far and it led to some achievements, but, uh, long-term, you know, no servitude there. So that would be my reply is just be easy on yourself. Give yourself empathy, operate with compassion. For sure. For sure. Okay. Another random question. Is there a um, favorite movie that you have and, um, type of music? Those two. Favorite movie, Remember the Titans. You can mm. watch that movie any day of the week. Um, yep. Man, I'm an emotional dude. I cry every time I watch that movie. Numerous <laughs> yeah. different parts. Yeah. Uh, and then favorite music in regards to genre, song? Anything. Anything you, you prefer to talk about. Dude, I went from NSYNC to 50 Cent in the matter of a year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's what being born and raised in Queens, New York will do to you. So I went yep. from Backstreet Boys and NSYNC to 50 Cent, man. I, I yeah. am the type of guy that still bumps Get Rich or Die Trying pretty much every single day. Nice. So um, that that's the stuff that gets me jazzed up. Although I will say music definitely has an impact on our mental health. If you listen yeah. to music that's low and down, uh, you know, uh, it, it's all energy and all frequency, right? So that's something we got to be mindful of. Absolutely. Well, Matt, this has been an absolutely incredible interview and I'm super, super excited and so thankful that you spent time with us to do this. Um, is there, if anybody has questions for you or wants to get in touch with you about things, is there a place that they could follow you or get in touch with you? Yeah, hundred percent. Ray, first and foremost, thank you for the opportunity. I'm very grateful to be here with you. Uh, this was awesome. Thank you for your incredible questions. And in regards to connecting, I'm probably one of the types of people that's on social media more than I should be, <laughs> but, um, that's beside the point. Uh, I am primarily on Instagram and Twitter. My handle is at Matt underscore Labrie at M A T T underscore L E B R I S. Perfect. So IG and Twitter is the same. Yeah. Awesome. All right. And then if somebody had questions uh, about your business and wanted to talk to you about that and what you do, is there a, some way to think that, that they can contact you? Yeah. Hit me up on social. Social is the best okay. place. So Perfect. yeah, I'm super active there. I answer all my DMs. I answer all my comments, all my tweets, all my replies. So I'm most active there without a doubt. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Matt, so much for this interview. And you know, I hope a lot of people listen to it. We will be sending you a link too. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate you, Ray. Thank you, man. All right. I'll talk to you later. Have a good one, bro. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to Shift in the Script, the mental health podcast that aims to destigmatize mental health and create a safe space for open and honest conversations. We hope today's episode has brought you some insights and perspectives on various mental health issues. If you or someone you know would like to share their story or expertise on our podcast, we would love to hear from you. Please reach out to us on our website or social media channels to learn more about how you can become a guest on Shift in the Script. And remember, mental health is a journey. It's not a destination. Talking about it is the first step towards creating a more supportive and understanding world. Let's continue to support and uplift one another 
as we shift the script on mental health. See you next time.